Geek Nerdery. Player one, press start to play. To episode number 17 of Graveyard Duck Podcast with you as always. My name is Scott. And I'm Wes. And this week we are kind of continuing what we did uh, last episode with a little bit more Mega Man talk. Um, mm-hmm. this, this time a listener request. So um, we figured, hey, there's there's no never too much Mega Man that we can have. So let's just, you know, jump in and do round two, I suppose. Uh, although branching off to a different franchise, we're going to be talking about Mega Man X for the mm-hmm. Super NES, Super Famicom. Uh, yeah. Japanese release in December of 93, US January 94, Europe May of 94. So kind of as we learned last week, we were right in the middle of the original Mega Man franchise. I think maybe part four had come out by now, but five and yeah. six still had not. So it was kind of interesting that they decided to spin off a completely brand new franchise, but then continue the old one too. So mm-hmm. Yeah, kind of a best of both worlds, I guess, for people that may not have upgraded to the Super NES by that point. Right. So let's talk a little bit uh, nostalgia here or early thoughts. Like, um, yeah, Mega Man X comes out on the Super Nintendo. What were your initial takes on it? You know, and this is going to be kind of an odd episode for me because Mega Man X is a game that um, I knew about quite a bit back then, but... I didn't really play it for quite some time. The only um, the only sort of memories I have of it was around the time that it came out, I was at a friend's house and I saw him playing the first level. He must have rented it. And uh, I was like, wow, this looks really cool. You know, the city level and, and stuff like that. And it was one of those games that I kind of put on the back burner, like, oh, I need to rent this. Uh, I have to play it sometime. And I just didn't get around to it for years. So, um, you know, throughout the years and I played it on, um, emulation and stuff later on. And then it wasn't until about 2013 on the Wii U virtual console that I finally sat down. And I said, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to play all the way through this game and I'm going to finally beat it. So, wow. Uh, yeah. It's, it's very bizarre. I don't know why I've put off playing Mega Man X for so long. I guess it's just, it's one of those games that I kind of permanently put on my backlog and uh, you know, meant to play through, but never did for so many years, but I always remember the first level. It's just, I don't know why I never played it for so long. Very yeah, that's, that's interesting. Um, yeah, this was one that I... God, it's, it's far enough back that I don't actually have a memory of getting the game. Mm. It had to have been one of the very first you know, Super Nintendo games I owned. Um, hmm. Although, I mean, if it came out in 94, that can't possibly be true. It was several years yeah, after the system. Almost, yeah. Um, but, yeah, I, I don't remember actually getting it, but I do remember that box art, you know, being mm-hmm. very vivid, sitting on the shelves and just thinking like, yeah, this is, I have to go get this. So it, I'm sure I picked it up from Electronic Boutique and saved up all my allowance and went out and picked it up um, Yeah, that you know, way. You know, but To go back a little bit, I was also thinking, um, I think part of the other reason that I didn't play this for so long is with it being a late release, I was sort of at the time kind of, moving away from the Super Nintendo a little bit, but I was also like super heavy into fighting games at the time. So a lot of Street Fighter 2 and Mortal Kombat, Mortal Kombat 2 and 3. So I think that's probably part of the reason why I didn't play it for so long is that, I mean, this was the height of like arcades and MK2 and Street Fighter and stuff like that. So I think that's primarily what my focus was. Sure, sure. Um, Yeah, it's, it's an interesting game. So I would say just a little bit of backstory for kind of what what the story here is um for those of you who you know are familiar with Mega Man but never played the X franchise 
it's not the same guy. You know, it's not the same Mega Man from before. In fact, his name is just X in this one. And this takes place, you know, way in the future after the whole Mega Man, Dr. Wily, Dr. Light world, like, has gone to shit and completely died. Um, And you get more and more of the story as this franchise goes, you know, and I think if you get into, like, PS2 era, they ended up making, I think, eight of these. Yeah, Um, that sounds right. But, I mean, for for my money, I play the first three, and that's kind of where I stopped. I think... got a little bit redundant after that point but um with with each chapter they add a little bit more of the story you learn a little bit more of what's going on but essentially x was the last creation of dr light and he kind of sealed him away in this capsule so he wouldn't be discovered until way in the future because he was basically just too powerful for the present time and so this other doctor dr kane found him um you know, put him together and or reactivated him, whatever. And there's other robots that are kind of built off of his design, and some of them have gone kind of maverick. And so he's out there kind of stopping it. And he's got a partner, Zero, who, you know, when I was a kid playing this, I thought for sure it was a girl because he's got a big long ponytail. And yeah, to learn that it was a boy, it's just like, wait, what? But yeah, um, yeah so he and Zero are basically the tag team to go stop the leader of the Mavericks, Sigma. Um, but yeah, as the, as the story gets going, it becomes even more kind of convoluted, but also really cool, um, that there's so many tie-ins to the old world that basically like zero was actually created by Dr. Wiley, um, and was programmed for evil and then got reprogrammed to be good, but still has this like dark side in him. And, you know, he's always like kind of the proto man metaphor, you know, where he's always, kind of good kind of bad you never know which side he's going to be on and then yeah. sigma, sigma was the opposite sigma was actually going to be one of the good guys and then got corrupted by a virus and became the main bad guy so um it, it it is interesting and it's a lot deeper than just your standard here's your eight stages go kill your robots get their weapons and then go kill the bad guy like they tried really hard to create a whole world around this and also bring it back to the original Mega Man in a loose way, but also in kind of a deep way once you kind of get really into it, which just as a kid seeing all of that, I just thought that was just like the coolest thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And this is interesting too, because it it's the first one sort of of the new series, kind of a soft reboot, I guess a little bit, but right, right. There's so much detail that's um, put into the story itself. Like you said, um, even from the get go, I mean, the first, just from turning on the game, I mean, you're seeing like the boot up sequence of Mega Man X and um, you're getting some backstory and stuff like that. It's like, oh, wow, there's like there's actually some some history here and there's some things that are established. And even the first level, um, which is kind of different for a Mega Man game as well, where it just kind of starts you off in this city level to kind of um, get used to the controls and stuff like that. And even from that level alone, you just start to think, oh, wow, there's going to be some some depth here there's some some interesting things going on right yeah and the instruction book like the way they give the story is through these little like torn out journal entries from dr kane so you, mm-hmm. you know, kind of get the backstory that way um there's recurring villains throughout the game like this character vile who you've you know play or fight right at the beginning he ends up coming back and it just it, it makes it feel like more than just a you know run and gun beat the bosses mm-hmm. and then yeah credits which is you know obviously i think it was something that was kind of needed at the time and i think a lot of us were starting to feel a little bit of Mega Man fatigue at this point um, like you said four or five and six i think were still um being released on the nes so there was a a small but dedicated group of people that that followed those but um also i think this game had a lot sort of on its shoulders being the first 16-bit Mega Man game as well right right so, we weren't really sure what to expect, I guess, from uh, from the new console and uh, the new game. Yeah, and they they did a good job of making something that was still familiar. You know, it was still, like you said, a soft reboot and basically just a 16-bit version of Mega Man, but it wasn't Mega Man 7. You know, it wasn't just, here's a fancier graphics version of the same game. They're like, no, let's kind of start over and do something a little bit different so that 
you don't feel like we're just recycling the same thing, which is amazing because, you know, that's the one thing that Capcom's not really known for is, you know, not recycling. recycling. <laughs> but well, um, it was a different Capcom at this point. I mean, you know, we were starting to see it with Street Fighter 2 and, and its variations and stuff like that. But at this time, I feel like, you know, we were still seeing some um, some quality Capcom games. Yeah, I mean, it it got bad because I, like I said, I played the first three uh, ended up playing the fourth one. I played it through twice, actually, because in that one you can play any stage as either X or Zero. Um, mm-hmm. and it's a different game kind of as you go through. And then one day in college, my friend and I decided, you know, we had never played five and six, so we just went out and rented both and played through mm-hmm. them. And man, are they bad. Like, I think <laughs> one of them, like all of the bosses are named after Guns N' Roses, Guns N' Roses band members or... Um, <laughs> I don't remember that. Yeah, they're all like crew members or band members of Guns N' Roses. Um, oh, that must be five. And then one of them, I think it's also five, has an underwater boss, like almost all the games do, that if mm-hmm. I'm remembering this right, they used the exact same background music as Launch Octopus's stage. Like, Really? Yes. And okay. you can claim it's a throwback you know, kind of thing, but I think it's just laziness personally. But <laughs> Well, and if they were kind of developed around the same time, then I could see, obviously, there were probably some resources that were being shared between the two games. So yeah. that could be a way to crank them out faster a little bit. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Also, while we're on the subject of, you know, talking about later franchises or later installments that didn't do so well, I want to retract something that I said last week. Um, hmm. I kind of was a little negative on Mega Man's 4, 5, and 6 and said, you yeah, know, nah, not really that worth playing and uh-huh. after the episode i decided to keep playing some mega man and went through and uh actually started with six because i hadn't played it in a long time and had a hell mm-hmm. of a good time with it so okay. for, forget what i said last week they're uh they're very different four five and six are not the same as one two and three but uh it's still just, da- yeah like still damn like enjoyable games yeah once once the uh charge shot came into the picture it kind of changed the the games quite a bit i don't know if five is what you're thinking of then because uh Mega Man 5 had like Stone Man, Gravity Man, Crystal Man, Charge Man. I don't remember any of those guys in Guns N' Roses. No, I'm talking about X5. Oh, X5. Okay, okay. Yeah, I, I have like X5. Duff okay. McWhalen and like, Axel Axel the Red. Man. Yeah. Okay. Well, that makes Yeah. Sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah look I've, up. I've heard later X uh games are not super super great. So, yeah, go look up X5. Away. It's it's a it's something else. Um but um yeah so i think that you know one of the other great things about this game is that um as we were saying like it kind of adds to this extra level of like world building um Mm -hmm. it also has like an extra depth to it that i think was a a really great thing like and showed that they were taking advantage of what the 16-bit could do but like there were two things in particular that i thought were really unique about this game Hmm. compared to other Mega Man games especially is that you know, all of the bosses obviously have a weakness. And, you know, if you kill them in the right order, you know, it, it makes it easier for you. Mm-hmm. What I liked about this game is that for the most part, if you use the right weapon, you actually got a visual cue because it yeah. changed the look of the boss you were fighting. Mm-hmm. Like if you use the, fl- the flame jet on Chill Penguin, like it actually lights him on fire. Yeah. Um, and, you know, just some of the other examples too, like the spark on armored armadillo like it electrocutes him and knocks his armor off so he's easier to kill um and it's it was just kind of a fun little touch that it's not just oh this one does more damage like you can actually see the effects of how it's changing them you know yes yes um and then on the same lines is i really like the fact that if you play these stages in a certain order beating one stage actually alters the map of other stages Mm mm-hmm um, and it, it they kind of play that out where when you see you know the stage select screen it's like this this map where you can see like the storm eagles at this airport like over here and you know this guy's at this place over here and so you can kind of see where they are in proximity but like the where you fight storm eagle is on this big you know jet in the sky mm-hmm. well when you kill him it crashes well it happens to crash right on top of spark mandrill stage mm-hmm. so when you then start that stage after you've beat storm eagle you can see the wreckage in the stage um 
most of the things throughout the stage that have like electricity don't work because they've basically just been, had the power cut to them. So the stage is actually easier to go through. Um, and it's just really interesting to see like little effects like that. Yeah. Uh, if you beat chill penguin before you go to flame mammoth, all of the lava is frozen. Um, and you know, there's some stages get flooded. Some stages, you know, just change in different ways. And I just think that's a really, really neat touch that playing them in a certain order actually like affects one another. Yeah. And you bring up a good point too, with um, the combination of, of the map and the uh, terrain effects changing it again, it adds more to the depth of the game, which I think is really cool. Right. So, um, but also I think there's in Mega Man X, there's more of an emphasis on finding the correct order to go through the bosses because um, I think, at least in my opinion, I feel like this is probably one of the more difficult Mega Man games to get into. Not only because you start off with significantly less health, you can take about four hits before you die, but on some of the bosses, if you don't have the right weapon, um, you're either not going to do a lot of damage to them or you might not damage them at all. Right. Yeah, uh, and I, I definitely agree that this is one where, uh, like we were talking about Mega Man 2 last week, you could kind of pick any of the eight bosses and say, like, I'm going to start here and then just go through the cycle. I, I don't feel like that's the case here. Um, no, not at there's, all. There are some that you could do with just the regular weapon, but there's a lot that are going to kick your ass if you don't Very have... Few. Yeah. Because, um, I mean, if you, it's really hard to fight, like, Stink Million with just the powered up, or just the um, the charge shot and armored armadillo without the spark. I mean, it's it's very very difficult, right? So, I mean, if you want a, a really hardcore challenge, uh, this game will definitely present it. If you want to try to go through with uh, beating the bosses with just normal shots only, right? You know, you know and, and even if you play them in this, the air quotes correct order, the the fun thing about the game too is that you're going to have to backtrack to all the stages at some point because every stage has a heart container mm -hmm. for. Four of them have um, sub tanks. Four of them have um, armor and weapon upgrades, and so going back and kind of finding all of those requires the use of weapons that you might not have until later. Yeah. Um, so th that part of it's kind of fun too, because it allows a lot of like backtracking and and whatnot. But um, well, and let's talk about that too. I mean, I think that's a pretty significant addition to this franchise uh, as far as having like armor parts and uh, different abilities that you get just from discovering things in the level right i think that's yeah. another aspect of the replayability of this game yeah and i mean it, it adds to the one thing that you and i have you know raved about saying that we love in games is the you know that build up of making you into a badass and oh yeah like you said at the beginning of this game you're going to get your ass kicked because you have like no health mm -hmm. and no power-ups and by the time you're done, like, yeah, you're taking half health, you're, you know, able to dash, you're doing all of these other things, like, you feel a lot more powered, mm -hmm. and all of those heart tanks really, you know, improve too. Um, so, so yeah, it's, it's, it's definitely kind of that progression that by the end, you are significantly more powerful than you were at the beginning. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it's not, I mean, if you played the other games in the franchise up to this point, it seems like, I don't think, unless you read through the book, it's not really that apparent right off the bat that there's going to be health upgrades and things like that because, um, you know, it, it just seems like it's so much tougher at first. Right. You know, the uh, the enemy patterns, especially like the boss patterns, are a little bit more complicated and there's more to them. Um, and I feel like that there's more, I don't know, um, there's, there's more chances that you're going to die quite a bit since you can only take probably about four hits. So it can be a little frustrating at first, I think. Um, before you start getting those upgrades but once you start discovering those then you start wondering okay how do i get up there or, you know how do i get this piece or that piece and then right. it's not so bad um yeah i'm trying to remember actually if anywhere in the book it even mentions the heart containers oh, it might not um oh no wait i'm sorry they're they're in there but they're hidden i'm looking at it and it's okay. there's a little section that's like the designer notes from dr light mm -hmm. and he talks about by collecting heart tanks, X's energy meter will instantly increase. Uh, he talks about the escape unit. Here's a little blurb about um, using L and R to switch between the weapons. So yeah, there's little things hidden in there, but it's not like there's a picture of a heart tank and it's like, hey, look for these. There's one in every stage. Yeah, exactly. Um, and some of them are pretty hard to find unless you really, uh, you know, tried to explore every nook and cranny. Right. Especially um, like I think it's Storm Eagles. 
that's on the top of the um, where you start the level at. Yeah. But the only way that you can get to it is by taking the little platforms and then making sort of a blind leap off to the left. Right. Yeah. Once you know it's there, it's easy to find and you never miss it. But it's, mm-hmm. you know, Chill Penguins is one that's really well, well hidden too. Um, yeah. Well, that one you need, uh, don't you need the flame mammoth weapon to yep. get that? Because you have to go back. And that's not really even, that's another thing that's cool is that adds to the replayability though, especially in that level, because I guess at first it's not readily apparent that you could use the flame weapon on the uh, the background, like the ice there. Right. But I don't know. It's That's a cool addition. Right. Yeah. And then, like we said, there's the upgrades to the armor itself. Um, there's three that I would call, well, take that back. Two of them are optional. Um, mm-hmm. You don't have to get the helmet upgrade. You don't have to get the armor upgrade. Yeah. Um, the boots you have to get because it's right in your way. You can't not pick it up. That's and, the one that can show you that there's upgrades. Right. That's what you know that these exist. Um, and then the fourth one, which uh, for a long time as a kid, I didn't know that you could find this separately is mm-hmm. the, the X buster upgrade, which once you get to Sigma stage zero, will give it to you automatically if you hadn't found it. But you can also find it prematurely in one of the stages. Um, that I always thought that that was kind of cool. That it's a way to get some. Like, had I found that first, mm-hmm. then I don't think it would have been been as neat. But the fact that I played this so many times and it was like, oh, I can get this thing early is kind of a different way to look at it. But that's kind of a neat little twist to it. And where exactly do you get it early? Uh, it's in one of. It's in like the second. Second leg of Flame Mammoth stage, uh, right before the second part that like has all the ice. Well, it's ice if you've beaten Shell Penguin. Mm. Um, and there's there's a spot you kind of have to jump up and back to the left. And if you have the helmet, you can smash through some blocks that are up there. It's it's really tricky to get there. Like you basically only have one chance to grab the lip and kind of jump up there. But yeah, the capsule's up there. Really? Okay. What's so miss that. Yeah, then you just get the the gun upgrade then, and then when you talk to Zero after the first stage of Sigma's Fortress, he mm. just says something like, "You know, I see that you're powerful enough to that you can probably do this," or something to that effect. But so, um, yeah. So I think that all of the upgrades are cool. Uh, I think that the idea of it being much a much more like dark dystopian version of the game is kind of a fun little twist, almost like this is the adult version of Mega Man in a way. Um, just but, but the uh, in contrast to that, the color palette of this game is uh, much more bright and colorful, pastel-like almost. True, true. So, do you want to hear the one controversial part of this conversation? Sure. I'm ready for some flack for this, but honestly, I'm not a big fan of this game. Hmm. Interesting. And I, I'm actually really glad that we did this episode right after doing Mega Man Two because it brought to light something that. I've been incorrect about my whole life. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> my I, life. <laughs> <laughs> no, I always thought that the reason that I wasn't a huge fan of this was just that I've overplayed it because okay. I, I bought it right when it came out. I've played through this thing so many dozens of times and it's enjoyable enough to me that, you know, obviously I've played it a lot, but that was always how I had it in my head was just like, I've just, I'm burned out. I've overdone this game. Mm-hmm. But but then playing Mega Man or talking about Mega Man 2 last week, it occurred to me it's like, well, no, because I've played that one, you know, five times more than I've ever played this one, and mm-hmm. I'm not even close to tired of it. So it's not that I am burned out, because if the game's good, I don't get burned out on them. Mm-hmm. It's I think that this game is is one that I give it a lot of credit for what it did. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it, it revolutionized the franchise. It added a lot of new elements. I just think that a- as a whole, it, it set the groundwork, but it hadn't yet realized what it was fully capable of yet. Mm-hmm. And in hindsight, I just think that it's, it's mediocre, you know, as a, as a whole package. Yeah. Um, I find it very, very easy. And again, maybe that's just because I played it so many times. But I I don't find there to be much challenge to it. I find a lot of it to just kind of be tedious. And even the upgrades, which I like the idea of the upgrades, I don't find that any of them are really all that exciting. Like to be able to dash or break some blocks with my head, like 
doesn't like who cares um, but you couldn't do that in the previous Mega Man games no that's true but and I, I think that also part of what taints my opinion of this is once you get to X2 and X3 which I, I don't like discussing a game by comparing it to others but once you get to those they really up the ante mm-hmm. in terms of like all of these things I'm saying where like X1 introduced a lot of great ideas and then I think 2 and 3 perfected them Okay. Because in those, like when you start getting the upgrades, yeah, you you can still dash, but now you can like dash in the air or dash straight up or do double dashing or you know, just the the helmet upgrade, I think in part three, instead of just letting you break blocks, like it actually gives you a little uh preview of the map so you can see where some of the things are that are hidden. Hmm. Um not enough that you can like use it during the stage. You only get one glimpse at it when you first start. But it, it's just an extra little touch that I think really adds to that feeling of being powered up by the end of the game. Hmm. Um, and so I, I, I don't know. I, I, I can't. I've been thinking about it for two weeks now since we first announced that we were going to do this game, and I still can't put my finger on exactly what it is about this that just doesn't 100% work for me. But hmm. it's it's a great game. I I always enjoy playing it, but it's just one that I feel is kind of mediocre. Interesting. Okay. See, and I haven't played X2 or X3. I'm familiar with them, but um, I would say just in my last few years of, of playing Mega Man X, I, I, I've really enjoyed it. And there's parts that are a little, I don't know, not really monotonous, but um, there does tend to be some repetition of, of the levels, which I think could be seen a little bit as, as padding the game out a little bit um, in that you have to do the, you know, some of the levels two or three times maybe. Well, maybe maybe just twice, I guess. And granted, you don't fight the boss after you've already beaten him, but I don't know. Um, and and you've got the exit unit, so you know if you're just going back to collect yeah, heart true. tanks, like you can. That's true. Yeah, skip out of there, yeah. but no, I don't know. I think um, you know, like at first when I was saying when it's really difficult, and I think the more that you play it, you start to get better at it. And uh, I think there's a good sense of satisfaction when you can steamroll through this game. Um, I still like it, I guess. Um, but I like it on some other aspects too, I guess. I mean, as far mm-hmm. as um, graphically, I guess I like the I like the color palette and the the graphics themselves, especially the backgrounds, because um, this was sort of I can see this being like the start of like 16-bit era Capcom, like that had just really nice looking backgrounds, and it's hard mm-hmm. to really describe it, I guess. But uh, if you look at like the detail of like some of the rocks and um just the background graphics themselves and then you start to see those in like other capcom games like knights of the round and uh king of dragons and stuff like that where you really at this point i think you really could start to see what the 16-bit super nintendo could still do even though it had been out for a long time right right so i i can appreciate this game for its its art style and its playability um and it's one that you know, throughout the years, there's been re-releases and, um, you know, different versions. I did play the PSP one a while back, the uh, Mega Man Maverick Hunter X. And that's sort of the kind of the remake of this where they added, uh, there's like some animated intros. Um, there's the ability, once you beat the game, to play through his file, which was kind of cool. Oh, interesting. Um, which changes things up a little bit because you can't get power-ups, but you have um, different attacks and stuff like that. Um, I don't know. I mean, I, I still like it. I, I see where you're coming from, but I don't have anything to really base that on because I haven't played that much else of the series. You know, and the other thing I wonder too, as as I was kind of thinking about this as you were talking, is like, I wonder if to some degree if this is just kind of Capcom's MO. And if you look at a lot of the franchises that they put out, the first game, you know, not to be disrespectful, is usually, you know an okay game to kind of set the groundwork, but then it's the later ones that really blow it out of the water. Mm. Um, you know, Mega Man two and three, I think are the ones that are usually argued as the best of the franchise and people love one, but there's no doubt it's a flawed game. Sure. Um, I think street Fighter. you know, how many people talk about street fighter? They don't, they talk about street fighter two. Oh God. No. Um, and you know, ghouls and ghosts compared to ghosts and goblins. Sure. I, you know, it's, it's just maybe that's kind of what they're doing where, you know, no disrespect to Mega Man X at all. Mm-hmm. But, 
but I just think that if if this is kind of where they were trying to make a template, set the groundwork, and then you know see where that goes, and then after it kind of got its feet wet, let's actually drop the ball and start going you know full steam ahead with X two, X three, and yeah. Know, well, I think there's, there's more to it than that. Besides, I mean, obviously the publisher being part of it, but I think we also have to kind of look at um, you know the people that actually worked on the game too, because I think that influences how we view a lot of these games. Whereas like, you know, the first Mega Man was designed by a different person than the second one, the third one, so on and so forth. And I think um, for, from what I've seen, at least the, um, a lot of this for Mega Man X, like the story-wise and stuff, mostly came from uh, Inafune, Keiji Inafune, who had worked on a lot of, the series up till then, but um, at this point, I know he specifically wrote the story for Mega Man X, designed a lot of the characters as well. So, and obviously, um, I haven't played Mighty Number no. Nine, but now he's kind of sort of been infamous for that whole debacle. But I think a lot of it, as far as the different games themselves, could more be attributed to the um, to the people that are actually working on. Maybe, yeah, you know, because I think that that does sort of influence the types of games that you know that we play we don't always think of that though because especially back then um the the designers names and the programmers names weren't nearly as common as they are now right you know if you look at a lot of credit sequences from early games where you know you had um sort of nicknames or initials or things like that a lot of that was you know probably because the company themselves didn't really want you know they wanted to be more synonymous with the game and not the designers themselves and right. the, the more that we study games and, and go on and learn more about them, you start to learn who actually made them, who put their mark on them, stuff like that. So I think that definitely uh, influences what type of, you know, product comes out. Well, and I think, too, you know, like we talked about with Mega Man 2, like the fact that that was a passion project of another, you know, mm-hmm. working kind of at nights. Obviously, you know, future games are going to get influenced by previous installments also, yeah. So it might be that somebody working on, say, X2 was playing X1 and was like, oh, wouldn't this be great if you could also do this or if you added this upgrade? And so those things, if you have a good development team, those things do get added. And in theory, your games should just keep getting better. Now, yeah. there's always wow. that that wall that you hit where then all of a sudden it's like, we're out of ideas, but they're still making money. And sure. I think that's where they don't know to pull the plug. But um, yeah, and like you said, reusing assets or or music from previous games and later games and stuff like that. I mean, that's very common, um, you know, especially as we get more and more deeper into games and stuff, you start to see that um, since they do cost quite a bit to to produce that, you know, a lot of these assets then have been reused in different games and stuff like that. So, um, you know, right. both good and bad. Yeah, but I don't know. Um, it just depends, I guess. The other thing I was going to say is like, um, you know, it's very obvious sometimes when you have somebody that designs like a brand new game and then, you know, a, a secondary team or a B team comes along and develops the sequel and it's not quite, you know, not quite the same, like it's a little different, but then they put their spin on it, um, you know, which could be why you look at Mega Man X2 and X3 a little bit differently than you looked at the first one. Then. Right. You, know, you had some different teams come in and put some new ideas in, um, you know, the groundwork was already there, so they kind of expanded on it in different ways. So. And I can respect that. I mean, it makes sense. Um, yeah, and I mean, there's no doubt that, like I said, I'm, I don't mean any disrespect to the first game because I do no, still, not at all. Hmm. I do still love it, and I think that it started a lot of great things. You know, the the biggest thing about it all is the story, which hmm. there's there's definitely seeds of that here, and you can tell that as they were designing this game, they knew what the overall story was, and they were just kind of piecing out to us, you know, little bite sized pieces at a time. Um, yeah. So they they were kind of hinting to the you know strange history of Zero and to Sigma's origin and things like that, but they just hadn't fully developed that yet. Mm-hmm. Um, but it it would come. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I I think that every time I sit down to play X, you know, what it usually means for me and the reason that I enjoy it is because usually as soon as I finish it, I'm going to immediately pick up two and then immediately three, and it's like it's one of those trilogies that I can't just play one of them. I always play all three. Yeah. And so I like playing the first one because it means I get to play the next two. That's true. Um, yeah. In fact, I, I did that this week even. Like I finished the first one. It's like, ah, screw it. Let's keep going. So I'm halfway through three right now. <laughs> I'd like to do those in future episodes at some point too, just because I haven't played them. 
but uh, yeah, they're they know. are great too. Though um, looking at some of the other versions of this game, and I don't know uh, what other ones that you've kind of looked at, but uh, last year I think it was I picked up from Mega Replay here. I picked up the uh, Game Boy Color version of okay. Mega Man X, uh, aka Mega Man Extreme, mm-hmm. and it's kind of interesting because uh, we don't really you don't really see this a lot anymore with. Uh, especially since most consoles are kind of on the same level anymore. Um, we don't really see like the D makes and the sort of lesser ports like we used to. And I kind of like those in a way. Um, yeah. It's a fun, um, like, I don't know, like almost like homage to a game that you really like. Yeah, exactly. And exactly right. I'm not too familiar with that one. I, I have played it once. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't think I played all the way through it, but it was just enough, you know, to, kind of see what the curiosity was all about yeah. and yeah it's an interesting take to basically play a game that you know and here's the like you said it's kind of a, a demake of it yeah you're right that's not a thing we see a whole lot of anymore although no, no i mean we might maybe a little bit more now as far as like maybe the switch version of game versus a ps4 or xbox one version but or I, I was thinking with like you know dragon quest 11 coming out you know having the Unreal Engine doing PS4 and Switch versions, and then there's the 3DS version, which is sure, yeah, you know, that's kind of a. But those are all made, you know, simultaneously. It's not this game is still so popular. We're going to now release it on a lower system, but right, right. You don't have a another like a subcontracted company that's porting it to a a smaller platform or something. It reminds me of when a lot of the um, like early Sega days when um, the Master System was still kind of trying to, you know make some money and Genesis was coming out. So they were porting games, mm-hmm. you know, Genesis games. Oh, yeah. They were porting to the master system just to get a little bit more money out of them. But it's, it's an interesting idea to think oh, of making a lesser version of a game you have. Mm. And not to derail too much um, on a tangent, but speaking of that, it's interesting too, because considering that the master system was incredibly popular in like South America and Europe where it went on, all the most into like the mid nineties. Um, so they saw a lot more like eight bit versions of classic 16 bit games. It's kind of interesting. Like your Sonic, the hedgehog, Michael Jackson's moonwalker, mm-hmm. uh, stuff like that. So, but yeah, and that's kind of what I felt like with Mega Man extreme on the game boy color is, you know, it was, it, it shouldn't really exist on the game boy color. Cause you're thinking, okay, there's no way that that little system could do anything like the super Nintendo could, but in its own way, it's actually pretty decent. I mean, you've got auto fire already on your B button, so you don't have to mash down the button a bunch of times. Um, it plays pretty well for a Game Boy Color game, and it's kind of fun. But like I said, maybe because it's sort of a demake in its own right. Yeah, yeah, you're right. And um, I was thinking that this was even actually for Game Boy Advance. Did some of the other extremes come out for Game Boy Advance, or were they all? Um, maybe they were all Game Boy Color. Because, yeah, the, the Game Boy Advance was basically just a little portable Super Nintendo with a different much, resolution. Yeah. But, yeah, and yeah, then you started, yeah, at that point, I started getting, like, the Mega Man Zeros and, and stuff like that. But yeah. I haven't played too many of those. I think Mega Man Extreme was probably late in the Game Boy Color's life cycle, which was only a couple years anyway. But um, I don't know. I picked it up on the cheap, and I thought it was a lot of fun. So Yeah, some of the other franchises I never really got into. And I think as much as we praised Capcom for making Mega Man X kind of a reinvention of the franchise rather than making it go stale, I think that model ended up kind of biting them in the ass by the end because every time a new system came out, they made Mega Man games for it, but it was always a different franchise. Yeah. Um, There were a couple exceptions where, you know, the original Mega Man series had a Super Nintendo release, had a PlayStation 1 release, but, you know, and the X series went from Super Nintendo PlayStation, but like mm-hmm. for the most part, every new system that came out, here's a new franchise. And yeah, that's where the mm-hmm. Mega Man Zeros and the Battle Networks and the, you know, I don't even know what all the other ones were, but it's like each one, it's just like, yeah, I'm not even interested in trying this one. So <laughs> well, I, I think I played pl- played Battle Network for a little bit and realized like it's just a Mega Man version of Pokemon in a weird a way. Yeah. And but you I have to look like, at, yeah. I mean, at the time period, I mean, given how huge Pokemon was, it's not incredibly surprising that so many other series tried to ape that. And no, it, their own. yeah, it makes perfect sense. It's just, you know, for somebody who 
was buying it or you're looking at games because it had Mega Man on the title. It's like, well, that's not what this oh, is to me. So yeah, yeah, I get you. Yeah, um, and that's kind of the weird thing with the with the series a little bit too is that you know the farther it went on, then like you said, yeah, the farther away it got a little bit too. But um, I was surprised too to, to learn a few years ago that uh, Rock Band and Bass or Mega Man and Bass got a super late Super Famicom version because I had only played the Game Boy Advance one. Uh, hmm. But if you go back and look up, um, Super Famicom games were being made up until almost like 99 or 2000, I think. And uh, I want to say that Rockman and Bass came out in like 98, which is kind of interesting because, I mean, you know, once the N64 came out here, I mean, that was pretty much the end of the Super NES. But right. um, in Japan, yes. I mean, it went on until about probably 2000, I think. A lot of them were uh, mail order cartridges through Nintendo Power. I think there's a Fire Emblem game that was one of the last ones, but. Yeah, the Game Boy Advance release of that was 2003. Mm-hmm. But yeah, the Super Famicom version, yeah, that's 1998. Yeah, which is crazy to think about. But, you know, playing those games and playing like the X series, you know, one, two, and three, you can, like I was saying earlier, you can really see that um, even though it was getting kind of long in the tooth, the Super NES could almost kind of keep up a little bit, you know, graphics wise with the, the newer consoles, just in this more like artistic, um, anime-ish look i guess right right and you started to see that more in the uh playstation versions too which were kind of you know offshoots of what they build on the super nes right yeah i I tried x7 i think at one point which Mm -hmm. i forget if that was ps1 or p i think that was ps2 at that point and it's it's a completely different beast um almost unrecognizable from what it started as but uh yeah yeah but, I mean, they're they're all interesting as far as variations on sort of a run and gun type game. But if you, it's interesting because for so long in the beginning, we were used to Mega Man games that were so similar to the previous ones, and then when right. they right. different things, whether good or bad, then it was still kind of jarring. Right. I think. Yep. Um, okay. So pretty detailed conversation there. I do have little tips and tricks we can jump into, but um... yeah. I don't know, any other any other conversations you want to have about the main game before um, we get to that and our recommendations? I guess the only other thing I was thinking of is just the um, the robots themselves in this one sort of being like just kind of animal themed was a little different for me. Mm-hmm. Um, not not great, but not terrible. I was just kind of like I don't know, just kind of ambivalent to them, I guess. As far as like, okay, you have chill penguin, you have you know. Uh, armored armadillo and i i don't know it, it tends to be more saturday morning cartoonish at this point i guess yeah but at the yeah. same time looking at the previous games you know you're starting to run out of ideas with you know nightman or hardman or you know what i mean so well I can, and it was I can something different i guess exactly and it's the kind of thing that i i think they they needed to do something different because if they were just coming out with more you know fill in the blank right. man it was going to be a joke. You know, it was already starting to become a joke. Um, and they totally should have got Blank Man in there. And that's right. right. <laughs> right. Um, Meteor Man could be there too. Um, right. But yeah, I mean, it, it, at this point, you know, in the early 90s, it wasn't quite redundant yet. But yeah, by yeah. the time you've had your, you know, fifth robot named after some form of ice, it's like, mm-hmm. okay, we're, we're out of ideas now. So they needed right. to do something different. Uh, the animal thing, it's not my favorite, but it works. Um, mm-hmm. I think that it allowed for some pretty decent creativity. And, you know, you, you kind of have the gamut of certain bosses that just look like cartoony and, you know, like a, like you said, Saturday morning cartoon, like Chill Penguin. Like he looks like something that would be in like Woody Woodpecker. Um, yeah. But then if you think about the animal kingdom, like you can get some really scary shit out there too like um so that i i think it does a good job and you know as the franchise kind of went along like up until like i said when part five they were like well let's just do guns and roses characters um <laughs> like the, I guess it seems weird because it seems counterproductive to these like cool looking futuristic 20xx type stages and it's like wow i'm exploring you know the future because I just got out of this, you know, um, hibernation chamber or whatever, and everything's really dystopian and cool. And now I'm fighting a robotic octopus. 
<laughs> I don't know. I mean, it's it's different, I guess, and it it it's not meant to be taken super seriously, I guess. But um, it just seems a little counterproductive to the theme, I guess. Yeah, it's 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 an interesting take and one that I don't completely fault it for, but um, it's it's interesting. Yeah. 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 You know, we did, we, and we didn't even talk about what a coanger is yet. Oh yeah, yeah. Why don't you uh, enlighten us? <laughs> it's this this one mystery from like I think every child of the '90s was just like, "What in the hell is a damn coanger?" Because I know what a mammoth is, I know what an eagle is, but a coanger, like it looks like some sort of a bull that does martial arts. I don't know. Um, right, right. And so, like a TV antenna on his head. <laughs> right. Um. So yeah, it's it's one of those that it's kind of a translation from Japanese, but not exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's based off the Japanese name uh, Kuagata, which means a stag beetle. Um, mm-hmm. But they just played along with the whole like boomerang Kuagata to make boomer koanger um, mm-hmm. pun play on words. But that makes a lot more sense if you think of him as a beetle and not like a bull something. I don't know, but. Yeah, which my mind is blown because, you know, when you just mentioned that, um, you know, I guess I think it's like, I probably wouldn't have not known that it was a stag beetle until you mentioned it. And it's like, oh, yeah, that totally makes sense then. Yeah. You know, but and maybe that's because I played a shitload of Animal Crossing and caught a bunch of stag beetles on the island now. But now that I see that, I'm like, yeah, I get that. Okay, that totally makes sense. So Boomer Quanger sort of being a onomatopoeia of Boomeranger. Sort of. Yep. So yeah, I get that. I see that. Although that just means that by the time they got to X two and they made or X X three, I'm sorry, and they made Gravity Beetle, it's like oh, they're mm-hmm. already double dipping on the Beetles. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Hmm. But all right, let's do some tips and tricks. Tips and tricks. Okay, so the tip that I had come up with for this week is one that I've been using since as long as I can remember ever playing this game. Um, if you play it right, it's not too terribly challenging, but there are a couple of spots toward the end in Sigma's Fortress where you can really get your ass kicked. Um, and it's nice to have all those sub-tanks, but um, getting them refilled can be a real pain in the ass sometimes. Um, mm-hmm. So what I've always done is, if if I need to reload either you know mid, mid, midway through the game or before I'm going to Sigma, I always take a stop off at... Um, the armored armadillo stage mm-hmm. and right there in that very first section there's like the little mine cart you can jump on and it'll take you down um you you could ignore that and basically just run around and there's a ton of those little bubble bats that are on the ceiling and mm-hmm. because there's so many of them in this little stretch you can basically just kill a couple of them walk off screen come back kill them keep doing this and you're going to refill your health really really quickly mm-hmm. um and if you're, you know, coordinated enough, you won't take any damage. So they'll, the energy will go to your sub tanks and not to your regular health bar. Um, sure. The other reason that this is such a great place to do this is not only are those enemies right at the beginning of the stage, uh, but also right after that first little string of bats, there's one other bubble bat that looks different from the rest. And you'll recognize him as one that was in Woodman stage in Mega Man 2. Um, he's the only one like that in the whole game but he has a really, really high drop rate of one-ups. Oh, okay. So basically just go to the armadillo stage, kill a bunch of bats until you get all your sub-tanks full. You can get nine lives in usually less than 10 minutes. You're completely full. Um, Go take on one of the Sigma stages. And the nice thing, too, is unlike the old Mega Man franchise, in between each Sigma stage, you can go back and refill and then when you go back to Sigma, you don't have to restart from the beginning. You can continue where you are. So you can go reload like this between each little sub stage. Hmm. Interesting. So really makes sense. Oh, I couldn't really come up with a whole lot of tips for this game. Like I said, I, I just haven't played it as much to know it inside and out yet. But uh, one of the things that I sort of found was, um, around about the halfway point of Armored Armadillo's level, um, where there's sort of the the digging tanks or whatever, um, it seems like at that point, it's really hard to kill that one before it knocks out the uh, passageway to jump up and get the uh, uh, the heart there. 
But I found for some reason, I don't know why this is, but if you're shooting and dashing at the same time, it seems like you do a slight bit more damage. Um, so as you drop down and the, uh, the digging tank starts digging, if you just kind of uh, just keep dashing towards it and shooting as fast as you can, uh, you tend to kill it really, really quickly. Hmm. So um, I know you said that you kind of, we were talking before we started recording, you said you kind of just jump in front of it. Uh, yeah, if you, it, do that. So if you if you know where that spot is, and it's it's tough. To, well, it can be risky to do because the tank is positioned just far enough to the right on the screen that you have like a hair's width of room to get in front of him. Right. But yeah, if you're as you're falling down that pit, if you move your way to the right and then cling to the wall and just kind of slide down it mm-hmm. and continue to hold to the right, you'll actually swing out in front of him and then you can just dash up and get the heart before he gets to you. Um, okay. It, it's risky though, because if you miss and land on the front spikes, it's an instant death. So yeah. you got to be careful, but um, hmm. yeah, that's, that's one of the options I'll to get there. The you know, and well, let's just go ahead and give them an extra bonus uh, tip for, you know, for free. But um, while we're talking armored armadillo stage, I would assume most people know about this one yet, but um, obviously the uh, hidden Hadouken in the game. Yeah. So, so how do you, if um, it, well, it helps that the way this stage is set up, like I said, at the very beginning, you can get unlimited or not unlimited, but you can max out to nine lives very easily, um, which is helpful because you kind of need them to get it. As you're going through the stage, like right at the very end where there's the last like minecart. Um, you want to ride that until it kind of comes out of a cave and there's a whole swarm of like the robot birds mm-hmm. and then the, the cart goes out of the cave and kind of ramps up and out and it kind of crashes against the wall where the gate to Armored Armadillo is. If instead of letting it crash into the wall, if you jump off and there, there's a little ledge up there that you can get on, it's, it's weird how it all times out, but basically like you have to go just stand on that ledge, which is empty and then just jump off to the left and kill yourself. Hmm. Do that Do that again, I think it's like three or four times total. Mm-hmm. And and I also think that as a trigger, I might be wrong about this, I think that you have to have already killed Armored Armadillo. I don't think it'll show up if he's still alive. Um, hmm. But assuming he's dead, if I'm right about that part, and then like the fourth time in a row that you go up on that cliff, there will be a pod there for like one of the uh, armor upgrades. And... Just like before, Dr. Light's hologram is in there, only this time he's wearing a bandana, which is hilarious. And <laughs> he um, gives you a special bonus power-up, which is the uh, Ken and Ryu Hadouken from Street Fighter Two. And to use it, it's the exact same as in Street Fighter Two. You just kind of roll the control or the D-pad down, down and to the side and then forward uh, and hit the attack button. Mm-hmm. You have to have full life to do it. Yeah. But um, it's just ridiculously powerful. Um, oh, yeah. Like, if you can keep your health up through all of Sigma's Fortress, uh, his dog, like, when you finally get to him, you have to fight his dog and then him and then the big robot all in sequence. You can kill his dog and him in a single hit with the thing. Nice. Um, it's super satisfying to do. <laughs> I'm looking it up now. Like, uh, you actually... You need to have every heart container, every sub tank, every armor part, and every boss in the game beaten up to the Sigma stage. Okay. And then uh, do like you said, do what you do, and then uh, you have to basically uh, play through that level five times, or basically kill yourself five times. And yeah. Get there. Yeah, you, you don't have to like exit the stage and go back in. You can just get up on that cliff and then drop down and kill yourself. Go back up on the cliff, do it over and over again, and yeah. Uh, and this is a fascinating secret, I think, because, you know, not only is it sort of legendary in its own right, as far as, you know, you can do the Hadouken in a Mega Man game, but the way that it has to be discovered and found is so esoteric and strange that I can imagine, you know, the conversation back then going, yeah, you know, you can totally throw Rio's fireball in Mega Man X and people are like, no, you're full of shit. There's no way. So it's one of those things that I wonder if it was either if it was leaked originally by the dev team or something like who the hell found this originally as well, you know, does somebody keep trying like five times? Like, Oh, there's gotta be something up here. Yeah. I mean, I could, I could potentially see somebody just saying like, 
you know, they're going back through all the stages looking for all the upgrades and they're like, wait, did I already check here? Oh yeah, that's right. It's empty. And then later like, wait, did I check here? And then one of the times they're like, well, wait, look at this. Like, you know, yeah. I don't know, maybe. Um, I don't yeah, know. I, I, isn't there a later one that you can get the dragon punch in? Yeah, in X2, you can get the Shoryuken uppercut. Um, it's a very, very similar thing. You have to have like all of the stuff and mm-hmm. then you can get it. And the Hadouken, I usually. You know, if it was made in modern day, you'd be, that'd either be paid DLC or it'd be out of a loot crate. Yeah, or like the that's your pre order bonus. Right, right. Yeah. Yeah, I, I just think it's hilarious that those things are in there and they're completely impractical. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, both both of them are, but at the same time, it's just hilarious. Like to get it, mm-hmm. it's like I don't think I've ever played through X one without going to get in the Hadouken, just because it's like, well, yeah, I'm I'm gonna get it. It's completionist, like, but I'll never use it, yep. but I'll get it. So yeah, I think right. when I played through the uh, the virtual console one, um, and I got to, I got that, and I you know save stated it at that point, so I could always go back and, and play with it. But it was one of those things that. You know, when you start doing the Hadouken and, you know, you pause it, you want to take a screenshot just because it looks so freaking cool. Yeah. Of, you know, Mega Man just shooting a fireball at Sigma or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right. So what do we say here? Is this a recommend? You know, I think it is. Um, like I said, I, I got to it really late in the game, but, uh, you know, it's one that I, I revisit occasionally and uh, just try to get better at and I enjoy playing through it. So I would uh, recommend it. And I'm going to definitely recommend it, even though I said it's not my favorite. Uh, it's still one of the best games on this, the system. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah. We didn't even talk about that. I mean, it's a, it's a, you know, probably a top 10 game for the Super NES, I think. Yeah. It introduced so many great things. Uh, it launched an, a franchise. It reinvigorated another franchise. And, I mean, it's, it, despite any of the little criticisms that I gave it, it's still one of the best games that you're going to find. So mm-hmm. definitely a recommend if you've never played it before, hopefully I didn't steer anybody off from it. Um, yeah. It's, it's definitely worth picking up. It's definitely worth revisiting. Um, yeah. Definitely. Yeah, and I would it say that, um, the, the nice thing about it too, is um, it, it hasn't really been lost to time. In fact, it's, you know, from what we've seen with the re-releases and the compilations of this, um, there's so many different ways to play it, which is cool. Um, because the the card itself, the super, the original card is kind of expensive, but not nearly as expensive as X2 and X3. But luckily, um, you know, we put a poll out earlier this week and kind of just gauge, you know, how people like to play it. And I was surprised to see more um, like the PS2 compilation and uh, Mega Man Legacy Collection uh, 2, I think, has got the X games on it, maybe. I could be wrong on that, but um, it's interesting that this title can be had um, relatively cheaply, which is good. Because um, some of the games that we talk about on here, obviously, the retro market's pretty insane price-wise, but oh, yeah. um, there's a lot of different avenues to explore, um, especially if we want to play this game. You know, new 3DS, PS2, um, original card if you want. So um, it's accessible, and that's nice, you know, because I think when this game came out, obviously... I don't think we were really thinking that, um, you know, in 10 years we'd be playing Mega Man X on a PS2 or whatever. So it's nice to see that, you know, they haven't been forgotten to time. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think the X series is getting as much love as the original franchise, which keeps getting re-releases. Um, but, you know, we got the virtual console releases, which is good. Um so there's they're they're out there and yeah the yeah. the cartridge prices I just looked it up because I was curious and a cartridge of X3 is still going for you know two hundred plus dollars cart only oh, yeah so it's, yeah, if you had the box and everything man God, it's ridiculous I don't know why I put my money in the stock market years ago I should have bought retro games there's <laughs> no. uh, all righty so this was a listener recommend hopefully we satisfied um, but if uh, other listeners want to get their recommendations in and hear us talk about their favorite games. Wes, how do they do that? Well, there's a couple of different ways, obviously. Um, you could reach out to us uh, on Facebook. We have a group out there, Graveyard Duck Podcast. Uh, we're on Twitter as well, uh, at Duck Graveyard. You can also email us at graveyardduckpodcast at gmail.com. Um, you know, there's a couple of different ways, I guess. Those would be the, the top three, I guess. Oh. Yeah, head over to Geek Nerdery Facebook. That's usually where you can find all of the information. But um, yeah. 
Yeah. And, uh, you know, just want to thank Evan as well for his, uh, recommendation. Um, I don't know if we, you know, mentioned him yet by name or not, but, uh, you know, he was the one that kind of suggested us to do Mega Man X and, you know, I was glad he did. So I know it's one of his favorites and, um, you know, glad to talk about it a little bit more. So, uh, hopefully Evan, you've enjoyed our conversation on it. So, um, but yeah, like I said, you know, we, one of the things that we like doing on this show is talking about games that, that you enjoyed and, you know, sort of your experiences with them and things like that. So, um, please keep the recommendations coming. You know, we're happy to, to re-examine games that you loved and games that maybe we haven't played that much. Yeah, and on that note, we have yet another recommendation to do in two weeks. So stay tuned for that. Uh, And until we get to that one, I'm Scott. And I'm Wes. And just remember, down, down forward, and why for the fireball. Game over.